Ah, the cowboy. A symbol of the West. Romanticized by classic movies and TV shows. A dominating theme of country music and occasionally inspiring to shit rockers like Kid Rock and ass kickers like Pantera. The cowboy theme is, to say the least, prolific in American music and cinema. And probably Mexican music and cinema, but I don't speak Spanish, so I can't really say for sure. I'll tell you where you don't see too much of it, Europe. Which is weird, because the ideas of cowboys came from Ireland and Spain. I'll get into that in a bit. I'm basically just trying to fill enough time in this intro to get to the chorus of this song. It sums up the episode perfectly. This is Arno with Le European Cowboy, which is French for the European Cowboy. And today I bring you this genre, the European Cowboy. Wait, hold on. You didn't get to the chorus yet. Yeah, he said it. Oh, he said it? Okay, good. Okay. No, here it comes again. Ah, fuck it. Did a good job pausing. Thanks. (laughs) To hear it. It's Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. We we make up genres every week. We count them down. The best songs of the genre from 10 to 1. My name is J.D. Riznar. I'm Hollywood Steve, and I have a cold. I'm Dave. I don't feel like saying my name this week. His name is Hunter. Have, you know, you're just gonna have to guess. His name is his name is not is Vinice. Use the <laughs> you um we invented the term yacht rock, so we even though this podcast isn't about yacht rock, we throw a bone to it every week. Hunter, what song are we listening to? I'll get to that in a second. Just have to make this long enough for him to get to the chorus. Hey. <laughs> Alright. I sense a theme developing. Uh, okay, I say this a lot, but I've been holding on to this bone throw for a while, and I'm holding on to a bunch, and with only two more shows, i got to let these bones out, uh, and I need to figure out priority, and uh, well, this one is an easy one, i got to say. Two more shows that you're in charge of the bone throw, by the way, audience. Yeah, well, at this point, about one and three quarters. You only have six more. You do six Those are the quarters. only ones I recognize. Uh, this, so this song is so good, and there's so much going on. I think there's a real shot of being essential. If you give it a, if you give it a long enough, give it, give it a few shots, a few rotations. It's hard to become essential, really, if you, if there's if, no recognition, if no one's heard the song before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it has to be super popular. We let Carrie Chater in at the beginning. And- <laughs> He kind of stunk up the place, so yeah. we're—he uh, doesn't wipe well. So we're a little, we're a little hesitant to let other yeah. unknowns in. Um, yeah, but I, uh, but I think can give it a little time. Um, so this is uh, Finnis Henderson with "Blame It on the Night" from his one and only ti- uh, his one and only album titled "Finnis" from 1983. And I'd like to know that this is probably the only real Motown slash Yacht Rock crossover, and this is Bonanza. Now, I don't want to get all intellectual here, but Webster's Dictionary defines Finnis as end. Oh, you mean uh, Webster's Dictionary? Webster's <laughs> di- Webster? I said I didn't want to get intellectual, J.D. Oh, sorry. Uh, conclusion... Uh, end or conclusion. So it's fitting that this was his last album. Maybe he should have called it Commencement. Hmm. You, you promised you weren't going to get intellectual, so I'm just going to move on. I got French. Um, yeah, so uh, before I explain Finnis, let's hear some other names, shall we? On this album and possibly this song, I have no idea. 
We have background vocals, Bill Champlin, Ooh. Richard Page, and yeah. Steve George. Right. Possibly Steve George. It's like the, the golden trio. Oh, but listen to this. Oh. Check this golden trio on bass, where it's hard to find a golden trio. We have one of Abe Laboreal, Nathan East, or Neil Steubenhaus. That's the three yeah. guys. Any one of them. Uh, on synth and keyboard and slash mood, we have Michael Boddicker. Uh, drums, we have Carlos Vega or Jeff Percaro. Uh. Or John Robinson from Rufus. He, he's on the boat. Horns, we have Gary Grant, Jerry Hay. Oh, wait, Jerry. Hey. And uh, Bill Rickenbach. And guitar, we have Michael Lando and or Steve Lukather. And it's a fucking ripping guitar solo on this, which is... Okay, so the song starts out right here. It doesn't really. I mean, it has it has got some Steely Dan yeah. changes into the into the verse. But then when he starts singing, he's it. This song, the point is, it's it's almost too smooth. It needs a good guitar solo, and boy, does it have it. But if you listen, what's the most important is percussion. You hear that percussion? You're going crazy with the percussion. Mm-hmm. Guess who it is? Um. I'm going to say either Philip Bailey. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to. Or. You ruined it. It's Paulino da Costa, but it also might be Philip Bailey on percussion. I'm going to ruin the rest of your fucking show, Dave. Well, I was playing along. I was playing into it. No, you weren't. I was trying to. You were supposed to say Paulino da Costa because he's on everything. Uh, and then I was going to say, yeah, but and Philip Bailey. And you fucking ruined it. So I'm guess sorry. who's going to get revenge for the rest of this fucking show? <laughs> God we got damn it. We got a real surly hunter tonight. Something's burning underneath Hunter tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, ate it's pasta. A, it's an un- it's I unusual. ate a lot of pasta before I got here. It's a usual, he usually takes his rage internally and focuses it all mm. on himself. This time it's coming out. Yeah. I'm basking in it. I'm loving probably it. Healthy. It's probably yeah. healthy in the long run. Yeah, it should make t- tonight a lot of fun for me. <laughs> well, also, uh, Steve Picaro's on Sith Programming, but not this song. Okay, so let's talk about Finnis and not my rage issues. Um, <laughs> according to his website, he's from a musical family, and uh, he has a bunch of cousins and her uncles and some shit and famous bands like Earth, Wind, and Fire. And uh, help them get it signed to Motown. I just put that last part in there, but I know it's true. Uh, his single from this album was Skip to My Lou, which is a great song and has an even better music video. Yeah. Look that one up. Thank you for... Uh, on the YouTube. Thank you for having me watch that right before we started. Forcing you to... Uh, maybe I'll be nicer to you than this of you, because you did... No, it was great. You did watch it. Yeah. Um, More than I could say about these two. But after... After his, uh, you know, after his... Listen to that guitar solo. Who do you think that is? Lando. You think it's Lando? Yeah. Um, did you want me to lean in real close and watch the video with you guys and, like, breathe everywhere? No, maybe. Do we have a longer mic cable for Steve? <laughs> maybe we could sit outside? We could put him in that vestibule between my garage and my downstairs hallway. <laughs> yeah. That little dark room. That lightless room. I call that the fart closet. <laughs> Walk in there, you'll know why. <laughs> okay, so back to Finnis. After he made his uh, one album, you might think that yeah, he was finished. Uh, but uh, you know he wasn't. He became a. Uh, he became. Who was that? Bacaro or uh, <laughs> or Vega? So uh, Finnis became a musical impressionist, and I think mostly just impressions. Uh, guys, he's 
Wait, I'm sorry. He is not playing the Brea improv. He, he we we missed a couple. He's got a. Ago. I believe he has a Vegas show, and he comes up frequently on my like Instagram. It's yeah. an Instagram ad. It's incredible. He's well, the guy. If you have, if you, he's the guy who's like. Finnis does songs by Tom Jones. It's not unusual to be loved by any. <laughs> Pharrell, happy because you yes, clap around. That's absolutely him. Yeah. I watched that whole promo video. Yeah. He does a great Sylvester Stallone into Whoa. an Arnold Schwarzenegger to the uh, to Mike Tyson. Whoa! Yeah, those, right in a row. Those take some nuance. Yeah. Right in a row. I mean, you spread those out over the course of a show, people are going to get it. You put them all together, people are really going to be paying attention. Um, okay, so let's see. Yeah, so he became a uh, musical impressionist at the hottest clubs around the around the globe, and he has a lot of photos on his website with comedians, including, and not limited to, Carrot Top. Ooh. Uh, he's, uh, he's currently opening for Jay Leno. Man, talk about bonanza comedy names. And uh, is on a shit ton of cruise ships. You know, I honestly, I would, I would like to see Finnis uh, perform this album. And I guarantee he touches none of this material when he performs live. Yeah, who can? Yeah, but he does say he performs privately for high rollers. Uh, so, you, you know, fellas, that's, if we get enough scratch that's, together. That's code for prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> Musical prostitution, which yeah. is sort of his main stage show as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, well, the thing is, if you've already released a perfect album and it's impossible to do any better than perfection, mm-hmm. yeah, might as well go see some, sing some Tom Jones and some Everly Brothers yeah. or whatever he does. All your faves. Yeah. yeah so if, uh, you know, if we, if we get enough money together, we can get him to play our own private cruise ship, guys. Yep, so that uh, is finished. He's known as the ultimate entertainer. All right, European cowboy. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into this. Get into what, Dave? Uh, the show about European cowboys. That's the one. Oh, man. Ruined your show. Damn. Ouch, Honor. How long, how long have you been threatening to do this episode? I don't it's know. It's been a long time. <laughs> we'll, we'll get Ever to- since. <laughs> you know, I could ruin it because I know, yeah. I know why he's doing this episode, and I knew it as soon as he said it. All right, all right. Let's, let's get into this. As I said up top, everyone's familiar with the cowboy trope and popular music. Cowboy songs call up a romantic vision of uh, fellers sitting around the campfire at the end of the day, singing about tumbling tumbleweeds, long little doggies, and getting back in the saddle again. And eating beans. Yeah, farting beans on, yep. the, on the trail. The uh, cattle drives actually helped spread the music to farther reaches and increased its popularity. Uh, one of the reasons I think it's so uh, prevalent here and not in uh, Europe, because Europe's a little smaller. Uh, anyway. Seems like a kind of music would, would, tr- would get around easier in Europe. Yeah, you would think, yeah. but uh, didn't have far to go. Maybe they just don't have friendly cowboys there. Well, I think they... I'll, I, I get into it here. Okay. Um, yeah, so the advent of the talkies in the late 20s made the music even more accessible, further romanticized the cowboy lifestyle. Later, the cowboy culture transitioned into country and western music would have us believe that our mothers shouldn't let us grow up to be cowboys and giving away, giving a way to giving way, there it is, to the outlaw country cowboy sub-genre. Around this time, it was also embraced by the rock scene with bands like Aerosmith and Bon Jovi, which brought us to Paula Cole and Kid Rock, who comes up way too much on our podcast. Well, we are from Michigan. Yeah, yeah we never talk about Eminem. Uh, I, I, cowboy culture has also spread to video games, 
like Red Dead Redemption 2, which I'm playing now, where you play a guy named uh, Red Arthur, I think is his name, and he sounds just like Ennis from Brokeback Mountain. Oh. Yeah. I just did a uh, dinner in a... Ennis? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Ennis. We gotta gotta get out and get some of them monies. Hmm. I just did uh, old Aaron Blair's dinner and video game uh, live stream on Twitch last Saturday. They did Red Dead Redemption, and we made chili and cornbread. And one of our subscribers is one of his subscribers. Anyway, I told Blair to bring up his uh, his show. Um, Okay. Now, what interests me about this genre is even though the cowboy is defined as solely a North American concept, fuck you, Australia. And Argentina. Yeah. Its roots come from Spain and Ireland, uh, the sheep herders or shepherds of England. Oh. Yeah. I won't okay. bore you with my complete... Wait, hold on. Are you telling me that no one ever herded animals together until they did it in England and Ireland and stuff? I'm saying they herded... According to sheep. Wikipedia, yes. Okay, continue, man. That was amazing because I was... I swore that, like, Jesus stories had some shepherds in it, but eh. No. Listen. Jesus was, was never... Yeah, but they he didn't was listen. never a boy. But they didn't listen to music. Oh, okay. What about the yak herders in the Himalayas? Mm, no, that's made up. No? Oh, really? Um, I won't oh, bore you with the my Yeti. complete theory of cowboy mi- migration, but I will tell you that the Irish had boys that tended cows. See? And no. then once the Spanish helped settle Mexico, a version of the cowboy appeared known as the vaqueros. Honkies would later mispronounce this as buckaroo. That's one more thing we took away from the Mexicans. So even though the origin of the cowboy as we know it is from Europe, the uh, musical aspect didn't form until it was here in the United States and northern Mexico. I'm curious how little you researched to be able to declare that there's absolutely no music from the culture of cowboys in Europe <laughs> or anywhere else. I did not declare that. Yeah, well, yeah, was like it comes from Europe, but the music. Never mind. I'm saying the cowboy culture as we know it, that music. JD, I think you're is, doing a good job. Is very Thank you, Hunter. Is very American. Okay. I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to poke. I'm just trying to poke. You're doing a great Dave job. Theory to see if he can stand up for it, and God damn it, you did, Dave. Yeah, all right, all right. Uh, it's my argument that Europeans were wow. infatuated we with the purely American version of the cowboy as seen on the American silver screen and heard in popular American music. Yeah, fuck you, man. This inspired songs that we'll be hearing today, like this tasty little number from the band Boys Don't Cry. They are so British, they named their band after lyrics in a 10cc song. That's right. It's not a cure reference. Once again, fuck you. It's not even really lyrics. It's something that's quietly whispered, whispered in the background. Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah. big boys don't cry. Yeah, it sounds like little, little creepy uncle. Uh, maybe you should tell your mom kind of yeah. situation. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's get into some sweet, sweet European cowboys. You always say that. Number ten. Let's get into some sweet, sweet European cowboys. Let's do it. There's a whole slew of them in Kansas City. Uh, Song number 10. I have to admit, I put this on here as a nod to Steve because I assume he likes Uriah Heep more than most people. I love Uriah Heep. They have a song called The Wizard, Mm -hmm. which is as young Annie Skywalker would call Wizard. Mm -hmm. That means cool in Star Wars. Oh, really? It does? You ever seen The Phantom Menace? Yeah, like but I did once. not retain that piece of information. Hey, and Annie. I'm not falling for it again. Hey, Annie, you want to go play ball? Wizard! And they run off together. 
I can't believe you remember that. He's watched have it you, a lot. He has an eight-year-old. More recently than. Uh, yeah, I have an eight-year-old. Also, oh, okay. I listened to the that, um, Blast that, Points podcast, and it was his favorite Star Wars movie. Well, yeah, except for until the second one came out. <laughs> Man, that one was good. Um, oh, but yeah, Dave, I, I do. Uh, I do think you're right. Heap has some pretty good stuff, so that probably counts as liking Uriah Heap more than most people. There we go. Well, you're welcome. Uh, my friends and I did a remake of uh, the Uriah Heap song Sweet Lorraine uh, for their annual cabin trip this year. came out pretty well. We found a karaoke version of Sweet Lorraine and just <laughs> made up our own lyrics. Or some of the lyrics. Um, talking about going up to Wellston, Michigan. Uh, things about the Wizard King. Titty fucking a deer. You know, cabin stuff. Uriah Heap stuff as well. Mm-hmm. All right. In fact, this would have been a great contender for your pudding genre, Steve, because even though most Americans <laughs> couldn't name a single Uriah Heap song, they've sold 40 fucking million records, mostly in Europe. Also, as far as Uriah Heap goes, I would put this squarely in the extremely listenable column. I'd agree with you on that, but the pudding genre has to be pure pop magic. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to understand that. <laughs> this, one is, this one is more, uh, this is, this is more uh, uh, a blues rock shuffle. Yeah, more. I call it a slow sludge. Uh, this yeah, is stealing. I'd call it a Uriah Heap. Heap of something. Uh, this is stealing. The song starts out with the uh, gentleman in the story needing to get away because he just did up the rancher's daughter. He has to put some land in between himself and the man whose pride he hurt. Uh, he stands on a ledge, renounces religion, talks about stealing when he should have been buying. And speaking of buying, 40 million fucking albums. It doesn't hurt when you release a total of 25 studio albums, 13 live albums, and 16 compilation albums. By uh, my calculations, that's a total of 54 albums, so you'd only have to sell about 750,000 of each one to hit that 40 million Mark. And and who's not gonna buy? How are we not gonna get to seven hundred fifty thousand of a Uriah Heap live album? Songs of this caliber, I can't imagine. Um, you know, now that I think about it, sixteen compilation albums for twenty-five studio albums is uh, is pretty uh, pretty crazy. Um, the greatest hits up, album, every one and a half album. Yeah, yeah. I looked up the stats on who has the most comp studio albums uh, to ratio. And I think the winner is Johnny Cash with 55 studio albums and 104 comps. I would imagine that it was... I would have thought it was Elvis. Elvis uh, has significantly less. Wow. Fuck Uh, you, Elvis. um, But all of this is not as stupid as Buckethead releasing 58 albums between January 1st and July 31st, 2015. I could not find any indication of chart performance. So my point is, Uriah Heat. So wait, so this song is a cowboy song? Yep. Because it's about stealing a rancher's daughter. Yeah. This, song, this sounds like a song that was based on like a bad joke. Like, Well, that's kind of your right. You, you can stay in my farm as long as you don't sleep with my three daughters. Yeah, the old uh, the old milking machine. Yeah, this is what comes after the joke, the musical, in the, uh, the running order of that yeah. show. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, it starts with him trying to get away, and then he's, like, thinking about his life. He's like, I should have been buying instead of stealing everything. Any, any more he's of a an bandit outlaw than... cowboy. Does he say cowboy? He doesn't say cowboy, but you get the picture pretty clear. He just clear. thinks farmers I give, are cowboys. I give this one La Horseshoe Gauche. 
Well, that's why it's number 10. You're going to be looking for La Horseshoe Dwight is what you want to get from me. Yeah. I think you're looking at the wrong end of the horse. And it's been a while since we have had a proper number nine punk spot. So here's Sham 69 with Hersham Boys. Sham 69 was one of the uh, British punk bands that formed in 75 and 76 when all the first waivers like Sex Pistols, Generation X, Buzzcocks, Damn, Clash, and The Jam were all just figuring it out. Sham 69 would go on to be one of the most successful British punk bands with five top 20 singles in the UK. This is from their third and highest charting album, Adventures of the Hersham Boys, which came out in 1979. It's the beginning of them moving away from the traditional oi punk rock sound, uh, but this is exactly in that oi wheelhouse. It's kind of shuffled away a half step, huh? Yeah. yeah. Oi, uh, oi, oi, Yeah, oi, yeah it's still oi, there. Oi, well, I oi. think that's why this song was so popular, because they were giving the audience what they wanted before they tried to go on and sound like the faces or the who. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the listeners wanted to hear more of this football chant type stuff. In fact, their prior album had the single Hurry Up Harry. You guys know that song? Yeah, it's a good one. Come on, come on, hurry up Harry, come on. Uh, they reworked it uh, in 2006 for the World Cup, and it was dubbed the People's Anthem. We're going down the pub gonna watch the football club or whatever the lyrics are. I only know one punk album and it's Green Day Dookie. <laughs> oh, you need to come to my tribute band show in a couple weeks. Are you gonna play Green Day Dookie? Uh, there is a Green Day tribute band. Are they gonna play songs off Dookie? They are only playing songs off of Dookie. I'm there. And What's Rock, the name of their band? Uh, they haven't told is me yet. Is it called Dookie? Might be. Nice. Is it called Bronger Green, and I are, uh, Dookie? Bronger and I are doing Neil Diamond. Oh, you buddy? Yeah. Uh, where are we? Just in case you're wondering, the name Steve, the name Sam Sh Sham 69. It came from a terrible sex act. No. Oh, really? <laughs> a false sex act. <laughs> yeah, it came from some graffiti they saw on the wall. Had to do with a local football club winning the title in 1969. Jeez, this guy in his sports. Can't yeah. get him to stop yeah. talking about him. Hear that little, uh, that little uh, Western beat there? This. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A little shave and a haircut there. But this song's a cowboy bit like in there, yeah. finally. <laughs> um, it does sound, though, like if you engaged in a sex act with these fellows, it would probably be pretty disappointing. All right, J.D.? What? Cowboys. Okay. It? Yeah. Cockney Cowboys. Yeah. That's a European cowboy, all right. Yep. This song is specifically spot on. They refer to themselves as the Cockney Cowboys. They also dressed up as cowboys on their album cover. Although not very well. Lots of fringe on their leather. That's the best kind of cowboy. Uh, more evidence they were imitating a Hollywood version of the cowboy and not the real thing. All right. Um, I, saw, I saw recently on the internet. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. Uh, that, uh, some British, it might have been a football club. Don't remember. But it was, they were serving an American-themed food at their, at their event. And it was a foot-long hot dog topped with macaroni and cheese. Sounds delicious. They're calling this authentic American food. Wow. Yeah. Well, two pieces. I'm not going to disagree. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you serve that at any American sporting event, it would be like, where has this been all my life? So sometimes when you 
when you try to imitate the wrong parts of America, you don't get the right. You still come up with something ingenious. Yep. That's only, the American promise. Only thing to make it better is just slap on a, a franchise logo on that bad boy. Mm -hmm. Like a Doritos, sprinkle some Doritos dust on there. Mm -hmm. And say a Doritos mac and cheese hot dog. Dorito, yep. Dorito mac is. dog. Yeah. Put that hot dog in a bun and a crunchy taco shell. There it is. Call Bang. it the uh, Big Mac attack. Yeah. No. All right. That's now, you I feel like the best of European cowboy actually sounds like an American cowboy song, and this isn't fooling me for a minute. So I'm giving this Le Cheval Shoe Gauche. And once I once I remember what the French word for shoe is, I'm going to... Oh, I used to know that. Le Cheval Shoe Gauche. Yeah, Hunter, you have a question? I have a question. Who are the Hersham boys? They're, they're from Hersham. Okay, it's them. All right. Yeah. Where the local football club won the title in 69. Actually, it wasn't the Hersham boys that won, and it was some, uh, I don't know, some other assholes. So was the sham short for something besides Hersham? I'm so confused. Now, yeah, now I'm really confused. I'm trying to remember the whole story because I wrote most of this from memory. <laughs> um, there were two names on the wall, and one of them had been faded. So it was an inadequate response of the team that won, but it was a two-name team, like West Ham, but not West Ham. Oh, okay. Uh, and it wasn't big-time football. It was like a lower level. Okay. Regional. It was like one of the lower tiers. Yeah. It's probably on Wikipedia if you want to dig for it. This is all made up. Yep. JD, the French word for oh, shoe. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay. The French word for shoe is chaussure. Chaussure. Is that a shoemaker or a Chauss shoe? No, it's a shoe. Uh, shoemaker would be a chaussurier. Uh, okay, so cheval chouchou. I'll figure it out. Number eight. Wow, you hear that 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 uh, that death toll, that tolling, chiming sound? I lost it there. Uh, props. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys could see the look that Hunter just gave me. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you? Uh, props to JD for showing me these guys. This is a Finnish band with a Russian name playing cowboy country music with a Soviet Cold War feel. Okay, I got a question. I got a question before we get into this. Mm -hmm. Did these guys play an MTV Music Awards that you guys remember? Not that I had found in my minimal research. Somebody, somebody Russian... And I thought was, was it was it Gorky Park? Maybe, maybe I'll look it up now. Or but Bo I, Boris Grabenshikov. I remember. Okay, that's enough. I am not going to remember. Regardless. You're going to have to remember for me. Anyways, it's Yakov been it's been killing me. But then when I saw Leningrad Cowboys, I was like, maybe they weren't Russian. Maybe they were Finnis. Wow, long way to go to get there. No, it's not. I, this is. Uh, I just came up at the end. I just, <laughs> oh, I, I, I was so good. I assumed it was planned. No, it wasn't. <laughs> this is the Leningrad Cowboys with the song Mule. Now, I was surprised by these guys. I love a good joke band as much as anyone and have a few of them in the works. Keep your ears oh. out for a guy in the Fieris probably doing something <laughs> sweet next summer. Spoiler alert, it's a ska band, but I digress. The Leningrad Cowboys started as a complete fucking joke. In 1986, Finnish filmmaker Aki Karasmaki was having drinks with his friends in the uh, the comedy band The Sleepy Sleepers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're that good. 
when they created this fictitious band. Uh, Karis Maki ended up directing a short called Rocky Six, in which the Leningrad Cowboys were featured. After two more short films about the band, they decided to shoot a feature called Leningrad Cowboys Go America. Only after the release of the film, and almost four years after the inception of the band, the Leningrad Cowboys finally did some serious recording and began to tour. Hunter, you look like you got big news. It was them. Oh, good. Oh, my God. The past 20 years, I can now I now know who it is. They weren't Russian. Uh, these got, there's kind of a bit of a Faith No More vibe on here. You guys hear that? Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of the RV yes. song from uh, uh, Angel Dust. Yeah. Um, uh, these guys have nine albums, but only one of them's on Spotify, so this is how we got to Mule. The album is called Buena Vista Vodka Club because they're funny. Remember the Sleepy Sleepers. The song is a bit of that uh, vaquero sound that is the uh, Mexican influence on cowboy music. Or what the bad guys in... Uh... Oh, no, I fucked up my joke. I'm moving on. Uh, uh, wait. Finis. Uh, there's, uh, there's another uh, standout <laughs> song on this album, Hunter, that you would really like called Wash Your Ass. Oh. Because um, I like to do that. Well, uh, quite the opposite, uh, because you and I like the Red Fox classic bit, and you really need to wash your ass. You've got to. You've got to wash your ass. It's uh, littered with lines from the classic comedy routine. Now, even though these guys started out as a complete joke, they frequently play with the Russian military band, yes. the Alexandrov Ensemble. It's hilarious because this military band is no joke. They were and are known as the Red Army Choir and are the official military choir of the Russian Armed Forces. And they played at the MTV Movie Awards, 19, I believe 1994. With a Finnish joke band. And that's why you pronounce their, their, their name Ensemble. Mm -hmm. the, the, the continental pronunciation. Exactly. Um, like Sur la Table. Exactly. Anybody have anything else to say for this song? Because I found out the French term for horseshoe, and I'm excited to write this song and share it all with you guys. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, listen, I feel like this is really nailing some cowboy stuff. Um, either the caro sound. It's, it's now, is nailing some cowboy stuff one of the qualifiers? Sure is. <laughs> so, we're giving this one Le Fer à Cheval Douat. Dwat is left, isn't it? Right. Ghost is left. Number seven. Oh, yeah. there's some cowboys. Here we go. This is a little more rem reminiscent of what uh, the music of the farmers and shepherds around the time cowboy culture was coming up in American West would sound like in Europe. This is the Pogues with Jesse James. This sounds kind of like Revolutionary War stuff, too. Mm -hmm. The little little fife, little piccolo. Yeah, yeah, there's a little, little back and forth there. The, the Redcoats are coming, Dave. Mm -hmm. uh, this traditional Western song is interpreted and Irished up by the Pogues. Super popular song. There's versions uh, by the Sons of the Pioneers, the Kingston Trio, Bruce Springsteen, Woody Guthrie, Van Morrison, and both Seegers, Pete and Bob. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that a band that is about as Irish as you can get is performing an Old West standard. The song tells the story of the death of Jesse James and is thought to be written shortly after his death. Uh, they glamorize him, just like in the movies. They talk about how he stole from the rich and gave to the poor. 
really lean into how he was shot in the back of the head by Robert Ford while he was oh, the, dusting a picture. The coward Robert Ford. Craven coward, yep. But it doesn't really touch on all the people that he murdered or that he banged his cousin and then married her. Hmm. Oh, like Jerry Lee Lewis, mm -hmm. another American hero. Yeah, or Elvis banged his cousin, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. Let's throw that out there. Why, why not? I thought Priscilla was just young. Anybody else we want to... Want to throw that out there uh, for Gord Gordon Lightfoot? <laughs> anybody, anybody piss uh, you off recently? Ronald Reagan uh, had a threesome with his cousins. Oh, the and, coward Ronald Reagan, and not the uh, not the not the good kind of threesome. <laughs> not the good kind of cousin. Yeah. Um, Jesse James was in the Confederate Army, <laughs> and most of his life in crime was exacting revenge on the industrialized wealthy North. Granted, he only usually rob banks and trains, but a whole shitload of innocent people were killed in the process. I guess that stating he uh, had know a, what they did. I guess that stating he had a hand, a heart, and a brain is a better rhyme for train than South sympathizing redneck domestic terrorist. Once again it's the Hollywood version, people love a villain. They love they love a complex anti-hero is yeah. what they love. Mm. That's what prestige TV is all about, Dave. As uh, soon as Jesse James was pronounced dead, rumors started talking about how he faked his death to escape the law. And there's even a like a documentary on History Channel about it that was written off as bullshit revisionist history. If it was on the History Channel, yeah, it was UFOs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, Jimmy. I heard that Jesse James was hanging out with Tupac in Malaysia. <laughs> uh, the Pogues had one other Western song that uh, I could find called Tombstone. But this is clearly a better song. Um, I do a fun Shane McGowan story about him getting one over on Bono. Ooh, I don't like Bono. Um, a guy I know used to be uh, like a stagehand on the Pogues traveling show. It's an Irish dude. A traveling show? Yeah, the traveling show. Like Brother Loves? Yeah. Um, so Shane was supposed to be uh, in between shows in Ireland, and Bono invited him to stay at his house while Bono went off and pretended to save Africa. Uh, when Bono came back, Shane McGowan, he had this big, uh, like, aviary, like a uh, big glass ceiling over his living room. Shane McGowan had found these like dinosaur eggs or some petrified bullshit that Bono had around and had broken out every single window in his roof except one, had gotten into his super expensive wine collection, was just swigging it, throwing empty bottles at that one window. And Bono said, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, I'm sorry, I can't get that last window. <laughs> Uh, and that's the story Why? of Shane McGowan at Bono's house. Why would you leave Shane McGowan near an expensive wine collection? Because you're Bono and you think that everything you touch turns to gold. Well, I mean, that turned to gold for Shane McGowan. Yeah. So he's true. He's right. Also, the uh, guy used to uh, take... Shane McGowan has to have a wine bottle on stage with him. And he used to push the cork into the wine bottle and set it out there. So when Shane would try to drink it, the cork would go back up the neck and he couldn't get any wine out just to piss him off. I'm going to do that to you. Yeah. I don't want to do my rating system anymore. Okay. I'm, I'm bailing on it. All right. I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm bailing on this song. Let's move on. Check, check, check. Check, check, check. Yeah. Number six. All right. I just uh, want to say right off the top here that... Uh, the lead singer of this band was in Hawkwind. 
Yeah. Oh, fun fact. Yeah, that's right. It's good old Lemmy, Don't Let Daddy Kiss Me Killmeister, and Motorhead with Shoot You in the Back. It's, 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 it's a real good thing you're doing here, Dave, so that Don't Let Daddy Kiss Me will not be the last Motorhead song we talk about on this, this, this program. Yeah, well, I, I, got a, I got a whole other genre left, so we might hear two or three more. <laughs> Praise be. Um, this He's got a genre called Lie Songs. Umlauts. Oh, okay. Uh, this is probably the best example, the Hollywood version of the Cowboys in the Old West on my countdown, as Lemmy brilliantly bookends the song with the lyrics, Western movies! <laughs> Nailed it. He goes on to sing of uh, cowboy riders and gunfighters dressed in black and how they're going to, you guessed it, shoot you in the back. Oh, like the coward Robert Ford. Exactly. There's a uh, good callback. There's really nothing all that special about this song other than the fact that it's a fucking Motorhead song and really fucking good. Uh, this most, is most of them are. Yeah, honestly. yeah. That's why. That's why it's no. It's not different right. because they're all brilliant. Yeah, they're all at least pretty good, and many of them are brilliant. Yes. Well, this is from the brilliant album Ace of Spades. That's one. Which of course has that title track on it. I really considered going with that song because the only people that don't enjoy it to the fullest extent are the deaf. However, because this is a real genre, not just an excuse for me to do a countdown of a bunch of my favorite bands, I went with a deeper, deeper cut instead. That's my promise of podcast integrity. Yeah. He's going to save that for his umlaut genre, and that stands for mm, lots of stuff I want to play. <laughs> yep. Hunter gets it. And uh, there was a time in Hollywood not that long ago that you could go to the Rainbow on the Sunset Strip, go into the bar nine times out of ten, You'd see Lemmy sitting at that last bar stool to the left playing the uh, Mega Touch Machine. Well, I, I'd have to say three times out of three uh, that it worked every time. Mm -hmm. I saw Lemmy there yeah. every single time I was there until he was dead. Was he playing erotic picture find with yeah. the men? Yeah, he'd do uh, That's my favorite thing to do picture. on the Mega Touch. Yeah. Me too. Um, yeah, there were a lot of men with him. Um, no, no, the male pictures. Erotic picture find with male pictures. You know, he'd just be drinking his booze and playing the touch screen. People would say hello, and he'd respond kindly. If someone overstayed their welcome, the bartender would uh, kind of tell them to back off. Uh, the owner of the Rainbow actually took the machine to Lemmy's bedside when he was dying, and now it's back at the bar, but it doesn't work. A few months ago, I was sitting on that stool. Uh, the bartender told me that it stopped working right after Lemmy died. But on some nights, when he was closing up, the uh, machine would turn on for no reason at all. And he liked to think that it was Lemmy's spirit still there playing the game. I told the bartender that Lemmy's spirit must be extremely gassy because it smelled like day-old <laughs> cider farts. And the bartender was not impressed. Dave, that was you. Uh, I think it was Lemmy's ghost. <laughs> I, I, think, I think you drink more cider than anybody I've ever met. Drinking habits. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he would have had more more songs about cider. Yeah, you know, some you know, actually what Lemmy liked to do is just pour milk into uh, his hard liquor bottles because uh, he liked milk the very best of all, but wanted to keep up his image. Uh, Dave, mm -hmm. what is your fit one of your favorite cider brands called? Strongbow. Another one? Woodchuck. Another one? Ace. Ah! <laughs> Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. And Lemmy was a renowned racist. <laughs> 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 
So I believe Ace of Spades is about cider for a first. I would have gone. I would have gone card player. Racial group or gardener. Then Lemmy doesn't yeah, like. Gone he was a gardener. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we, we done with this one? Yeah, I'd please. Say so. All right, I wrote this up when I was assuming my voice was going to be at full strength, so let's see how much I can uh, get through. <laughs> your, your voice was at full strength on, the, on that Lemmy song. Yeah, oh, that was a short burst. I was looking at the levels. Anyway, oh, anyway. Did, I, did I lead Continue. you astray in my leveling? <laughs> you did. I, I apologize. It's okay, but now you're fulfilling it. Yeah, okay. but let's uh, go. Motorhead gets people excited. What are you going to do? Guys, Dolly Parton is an American treasure, a musical genius, a wildly underrated writer with over 3,000 songs to her credit, including one of the biggest hits of the rock era, I Will Always Love Climactic Key Changes. Her big pop crossover bid started in the late 70s and peaked not long after Urban Cowboy with her co-starring role in this feminist workplace comedy, 9 to 5. There was a meme of sorts going around Twitter that this song is the perfect encapsulation of socialist feminism, but I couldn't find where that originated, so whoever first posted that, I'm using your mind and not giving you credit. Dolly wrote the... You hear that? You hear the little clicking? That's Dolly Parton's Nails. Oh. She wrote this song to mimic the clickety-clack rhythm of an office typewriter because music is everywhere. She, she came up with the idea while she was on set. That's brilliant. She, you, you hear, hear the, the bell of the... Um, of the yeah, the, the, yeah those, uh, the bell's not cow, her nail. Cowboy there. computer. It's a cowboy computer. Cowboy computer, the bell from the cowboy computer, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Uh, this went to number one on the pop, country, and adult contemporary charts. It's her only solo pop number one. She was only the second female country artist to be number one on both the pop and country charts at the same time. The first was Jeannie C. Riley with Harper Valley PTA. Uh, this was nominated for the Best Song Oscar, but incorrectly lost to fame. Now, let me let you give your voice a break for a second, because if you guys out there in uh, podcast land want to get some more 9 to 5 behind the scenes, look for the video where Dolly Parton... Uh, run some of her lines with Hollywood uh, documentary legend Hugh Hauser. Yeah. It's a great clip. He, Hugh, Hugh Hauser's the sweetest, most curious guy, and Dolly mm -hmm. Parton's the sweetest woman. Yeah. And together, they're just like pure human gold. Is and Dolly... Why, you're going to let me read this with you, Dolly? Well, you bless your heart. I sure am, sugar. All right, will you read your part? I'm here at work. Wow, welcome to work. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> uh, Dolly's from Tennessee, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, so is Huel. Oh. oh boy. <clears throat> I didn't realize that. Uh. And they're both known for their large body parts. Mm hmm. Yep. Mine's uh, my personality. <laughs> I had lunch with nope. Huel Which is what I call my cock. <laughs> had a sandwich with him one day. It was a goddamn delight. Cotille. Big Bird. He lived in a, an evil superhero's uh, mountain house in, in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Death Mountain looked like a spider emerging from a rock. 
Good guy. We miss him every day. I'm going to pretend that my segue still works. Speaking of oh, Oscars. Here, let me help you out, Steve. Speaking Steve, of you Oscars. Said, you said this was nominated for Best Oscar? Wait, I got a better, I got a better one. Hey, I got a better one. This received, you know, hey, I'm a little grouchy today. <laughs> this received the nomination for Best Oscar. Wait, hold on. I got, hold on. My favorite Hugh Hauser episode is uh, when he was at the Oscars. Boy, I'm a little grouchy today. I didn't see that. I, one. I heard it. I heard that. You didn't go into it. Oh. So you know how the surest route to a best actor or actress win now is for a talented actor to play some other famous, easily recognizable figure? So we can all see how this one person we know totally transforms into this other person we also kind of know. I remember reading somewhere that the surest sign of a musical genius is that they just flat out hear things differently. And I've again forgotten who said it, so I'm clearly not an attribution genius. But if you didn't believe me before when I said that Dolly Parton's a musical genius, go look up some of the rock covers she's done and hear how completely she transforms them into her own idiom. She won a Grammy in 2002 for her cover of Collective Soul's Shine, Ooh. which if you've never heard the original, you'd swear to God it's always been a bluegrass gospel song. She's also covered uh, Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. I shit you not, go look it up. Even Robert Plant and Jimmy Page liked it. Uh, REO Speedwagon's Time for Me to Fly. Bon Jovi's Lay Your Hands on Me. These are all good songs. I'm like, boy, these songs could be better. And I bet she makes them better. Yeah, she pretty much does. And not to mention If by Bread, which Ooh, is not yeah. rocking, but you know. No, still. but that could certainly be better. <laughs> yes, it could. There's also, she also did a cover of The Temptations, My Girl, where she changes the title to My Love and completely removes the main guitar hook that everybody knows. Just lets the song rest on its own without the, you know, the signature. It's kind of like what Cheryl Crow did with Sweet Child of Mine, except it doesn't suck. Mm-hmm. Funny story about Take Sweet that, Child Cheryl of Mine. Crow. Uh, I talked to my mom yesterday, and apparently she changed her ringtone for me on her phone to Sweet Child of Mine. Uh, it was pretty cool. Scared the shit out of her when it rang. She's like, oh, God. <laughs> what have I done? Uh, Dolly Parton's also one of a handful of women that has turned down over a million dollars to expose herself in Playboy. I mean, you don't really need to if you're a genius. You certainly can if that's you want. That's not but what she's about. No, that's not what she's She's about writing 3,000 songs. At we least. already talked about how Dolly Parton is married. That's the craziest thing. Yeah, uh, apparently she, she covered that Collective Soul song because her husband liked it. Oh, man, it's like she's been married for like 50 years to, to a, a guy with terrible to taste a, in music. To a yeah. cement magnate. <laughs> yeah, Carl, Carl Dean. <laughs> to a Collective Soul fan. <laughs> I sell, I've made a billion dollars selling cement, and I love Collective Soul, and I love Dolly. Hi, Dolly. Got to go back to my cement office. Welcome to Dean Cement. They call me Dead-Eyed Dick because that's my favorite band. Uh, Dolly, I'm sorry. You're the second best lyricist now. I got into Train. Man, Train's she coming up a lot on this me, podcast. But she sure likes the bone. Rock! I bet she could totally transform that song. No, I don't think anyone could fix that one. I saw, I saw Willie Nelson at the Hollywood Bowl last weekend, and uh, one of his opening acts was this 
up-and-coming country singer named Margot Price, who signed the Jack White's label, and she covered this song uh, towards the end of her set. And you could hear that she was having just a little trouble keeping up with all the words that Dolly crams into the verses here. Uh, I call this, I like to call this the Steve Perry effect. Sometimes you don't realize just how good someone is until you hear other people trying to do what they did. Like that video of Bobby Kimball trying to sing Toto songs. Um, You're right, Steve. Uh, We performed this song in honor choir in fifth grade. And it was way more difficult than I heard it through the grapevine, which was the other song we performed. Keep in mind, the kids got to vote on what songs we sang, and the California Raisins were very, very big at the time. So how did this win? I think some teacher showed it in class. And looking back at it, it's really not appropriate for fifth graders. I think there's like some yeah. sex torture jokes in there. I don't. Re- yeah, I don't remember if I've ever seen this movie or not. Uh, I think at one point they tie Dabney Coleman up in bondage gear or something. Yeah, it was Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, Good movie, Dabney yeah, Coleman. Never a misstep with that guy. Hmm. Uh, let me uh, let me recommend Dantana's, where you can still get the Dabney Coleman on the menu. Yep, delicious. Uh, uh, by the way, there's some yacht personnel on this track. We got the well, she is on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. They, we got Abe Laborial. We got Lenny Castro. We got Jerry. Hey. Nope. Sorry. And uh, we got Jeff Skunk Baxter on the guitar. It's got kind of a like a like a pre-Michael McDonald doobie groove to it. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, this movie, they made it into a Broadway musical in 2009. And Dolly announced earlier this year that there is a sequel in the works. Oh, Ooh. oh five to, to Dabney Coleman. Can was do it, the map. Uh, Lily Tomlin? Was it Jane Fonda? Was she in it too? Yeah, it was, yeah. Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, and Dolly Parton. Wow. And and Dabney Coleman. <laughs> Wasn't the sequel Horrible Bosses? Man. Oh no, you're thinking of Horrible Bosses too. <laughs> oh yeah. Number five. Oh, good. A Clash song. This is the song The Card Sheet from London Calling. And the song basically describes the plight of a lonely gambler that reaches the end of his luck. The other folks in the card game catch him cheating, force him to his knees, and kill him. Also, there's some uh, jaunty saloon-style piano. This also sounds like... Yeah. uh, some was, uh, teenage tragedy song from the from the sixties. Like, yeah, my if, boyfriend uh, died in if you're uh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. instead of a teenager that was hit by a train, it was uh, a cheating uh, old gambler that was executed. I gotta be I gotta be honest. I never realized that that was the plot of the song. Yeah, and I think it's because as I I think I've said before in this in this program because I they're European terrible, and you don't terrible, consider them to be cowboy songwriters. No, it's because I have a terrible time understanding Clash lyrics. Yeah, yeah, you really. Even though this is Mick Jones singing and not Joe Strummer, I'm still about it's still half half and half. Yeah, still real mushmouth. Clash had a few cowboy references and themes in their music. Uh, the cover of the second studio album, Give Him Enough Rope, shows an Asian man on a horse in the desert watching two buzzards picking at the carcass of a dead cowboy. They had a song named The Magnificent Seven after the famous John Sturgis Western uh, after the famous Kurosawa film. Uh, and they also covered I Fought the Law by the Crickets, later covered by the Bobby Fuller Four, 
Not to mention Joe Strummer's backing band once he went solo was called the Mescaleros. The Mescaleros, of course, being the Apache tribe from what is now New Mexico. Even though cowboys rarely fought Indians, it does jive with the Hollywood imagery of the cowboy. I'll tell you who doesn't fight Indians is the cowboys in Red Dead Redemption. They practically call them Native Americans. They're so, they're so progressive. Yeah. But I hear you're unrealistically progressive for the era. I hear you could shave your beard into a mustache in that game. Yeah, it's kind of the first sweet thing you can do after playing yeah. the game for like two hours. Yeah. Like, hey, shave your beard. I'm telling you, man, Breath of the Wild, way to go. Okay. I think Joe Strummer was in like a few kind of cowboy-esque movie, western-esque movies. Yeah, wasn't he in... Uh, there was a movie the called Straight to Hell. Yeah. Jarvish. Yeah. No, I think it was Alex Cox. Yeah, Alex oh, yeah, Cox yeah, yeah, did right. Straight to Hell. Jim Jarmusch did the one. Iggy Pop is in it. Johnny Depp is in it. Uh, Dead, Dead Man? Man? Yeah. Was, was he in that? I think he may be. I think he was in a, a movie called Walker. He was in a bunch of... We- I think he was in a few Westerns. Yeah, he was Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, that's a, yeah he was. Yeah. yeah he, was he, really learned, good he learned Kung Fu for that. Yeah, he's really good. Um, where am I going here? Uh, Joe Strummer actually sang for the Pogues for a short stint when Shane McGowan was off ruining his teeth. And Ireland is part of the UK, so dentally speaking, Shane McGowan wasn't starting from a great place. Uh, while what? what? Ireland's, Ireland. not, Ireland's not part of the UK. No. Northern Ireland. Northern is. Ireland is part of the UK. And it is all part of what? Great Britain? No. No. No, Great, great Britain is the island. The island. Uh, United the UK Kingdom is the island it. plus Northern Ireland. Yes. Ireland's own goddamn thing got nothing to do with Britain or UK. Yeah, I fucking looked it up too and I still fucked it up. That's cool. Um, that's, what, that's what we're here for. I appreciate it, guys. It kind of used to be part of it at one time. Yeah. Right, because in the country. And then I think 1902, it converted back to. They still have the, they still have the, um, the flag of St. Patrick in there. In, in the is that the Union Jack? Hmm. Yeah. Did you know that that's the combination of all the of all the Saint flags of all the areas? Patron saints of all the areas. Yes. Oh, that's cool. That's the Saint Andrew's flag is Scotland. That's the blue, and then Saint Edward's flag of England. They don't have Wales though. They don't have Wales though. What about Jersey and Guernsey? Did Ireland? They got great cows. Did Ireland break off when England went to the Anglican Church? And banned Catholicism? Well, that was part of uh, Ireland getting, like, their freedom. They thought they were going to be able to worship freely. And then uh, I don't know, they uh, went back on the promise. But here's, here's a little... Here's a little uh, History from idiots. Here's a, here's, but here's a little New fun project. fact about mm-hmm. that. Is that they, they that, that church, the Anglican church, was uh, what they believed was the real Catholic church. They kicked out the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, okay. So you like you go to an Anglican mass and it's very, very similar. similar. Okay, like Episcopalian. But, but no Romans. But that's yeah. that's it. That okay. Episcopalian is it. We should have a show called Sober History. <laughs> we should have a terrible. Yeah. History. When did we stop <laughs> drinking during the podcast? This is why they drink on that show is because it it masks it, the idiocy. Oh. See, now we're just exposing it. We're sober and just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, fun fact, Joe Strummer was reading Sylvia Plath when he wrote this song and says that her poetry inspired, inspired the dark lyrics of this song, just like Dr. Brewster M. Higley when he wrote Home on the Range. <laughs> four. Four. Number four. 
I think there's a little lag on before this one starts. But I've been dying to get this song into the countdown mm-hmm. for a very long time. I almost forgot about it. Oh, no. But then I remembered it. Oh, thank God. And I put it into the countdown. All right. And that brings us to now. This is I, like how, I like how your narrative threw in an obstacle and then you yeah. overcame the obstacle. Yeah, hero's real, journey. Yeah, real hero's journey. Now we're back and we're changed. Uh, this is Arizona Man by Giorgio Moroder. Or how that idiot calls it, it probably calls it Arizona. Yeah. Oh, it's a song, Arizona. Do you see uh, how Dave had his, his arms out when he was doing that whole thing? <laughs> Whenever he puts the song on at his house, he puts those arms out and he starts flapping them around with his little fingers. It's because the way you dance to this is you do a lot of pointing. <laughs> and it goes back and forth. Uh, <laughs> I'll admit this is a bit of a stretch for the genre, but I'm basing this on the fact that he's singing about Arizona and he's wearing a cowboy hat on the cover of the single. I, I would buy it. Yeah, That's I a bunch was. of cowboy shit. Yeah. 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 I wasn't sure I'd heard. Like, the song didn't ring as much of a bell for me until I I listened to it on YouTube and I saw that article. Yeah. Oh, I've totally heard this at Dave's house. Yeah. Uh, the lyrics are pretty hard to decipher, but I know he's singing about an Arizona man and there's a woman in the song named Mary Ann. Now, that's my mom's name, and she lives in Arizona, so this is all starting to make sense. Plus, and I, I have it on good authority that Giorgio is neither retired or a right-wing racist piece of shit, so he's clearly chosen Arizona for its many contributions <laughs> to the Old West and not the people that live there now. He's touring for the first time. Ooh. I don't know if he's going to like play his hits from soundtracks or he's just DJing, which is usually what he does when he appears yeah. live. Yeah, the DJ stuff. I don't know. Is it any good? No. If you like DJ stuff, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Maybe him and Yoko Ono can do a a set. Uh, This was released in 1970, and like everything Giorgio does, it sounds like it's ahead of its time. Hunter, you once described this to me as sounding like French pop, and I absolutely hear that. But it still surprises me that it came out as early as it did. Because I put this up alongside of like Sauplet Poumois. By Plastic Patron, and that came out seven or eight years after this. I bought this record at one of my local record shops. It's my least favorite one of the record stores in my neighborhood, and now it's out of business. <laughs> Serves them right. Yeah. Had you been in there? You know the I one I'm talking know. about. Which one was it? Wombleton. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I was in. Uh, Hunter and I frequently discussed how it had the feel of being run by snobs with a trust fund. They would always go on uh, European record-buying trips and then have a wine party to show off their new stock. And I paid way too much for this single. How much did you pay for this single? Like 40 bucks. About a trip to a trip to Oslo. I don't think you paid too much for it. I'm going to say that much. It's a Giorgio Moroder rarity. And you've shown us a side of Giorgio Moroder we didn't know existed. Yeah, but it's on Discogs for $10. For how much? 10 Oh, uh, well, you didn't have to mail. Yeah, and honestly, I probably had the original pressing. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Hessemer Low, look at this 45. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, those music snobs throwing their money around with records, I fucking hate them. <laughs> three, three, three. Number three. Uh, this so is th- getting good. So does that mean your neighborhood only has... Three record stores now? Yeah, and two of them are the same uh, <laughs> same owner. <laughs> oh, good. 
Uh, technically, there's a fourth one, but you got to travel a little bit. Well, at least it's not five. Yeah. Yeah, Narberger makes makes four. And they do a lot of tapes. Those are good, too. All right. Hunter, you inspired me with Iron Maiden a couple weeks ago. I do that a lot. And you made me realize there's not been nearly enough of it on the podcast. This is Run to the Hills from the Number of the Beast album. Great album. I'd easily put it in my top 16 Iron Maiden studio albums. Easily. Really helps if you see the video to this song, but it's absolutely about the plight of the Native American and how they were run off their land by people settling the frontier. Now, as I said before, uh, Cowboys and Indians really didn't fight that much. It was more the United States Army versus an indigenous people. And it actually started with the English colonists and Canadian fur traders. In fact, did you guys know that both the English Army and the brand new American Patriots both enlisted Native Americans to fight against their enemies? The Americans enlisted them to fight against the British. The British hired them to fight against the Americans. How about that? Yeah. And then they still fucked them. Yep. The shit. Yep. One thing we can agree on. Uh, sorry, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole there. Back to Iron Maiden. The song is very much about the elimination of the Native American people as the planes were settled. The video, on the other hand, is made up of a bunch of jokey silent film comedy clips showing Native Americans riding bicycles and hair pieces coming off of cowboys when they're about to be scalped. Now, it's most commonly thought that the natives were the ones doing the scalping, and while a few tribes, namely the Pawnee, the Sioux, and the Cheyenne, did practice the technique, the vast majority of scalping was done by Americans. In fact, Army volunteers would be paid a sanctioned bounty by the federal government with no dim discrimination of men, women, or children. They clear a village and bring back the scalps for payment. feel like we're back in those days again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, this, hey. is, this is a pretty woke segment, Dave. Yeah, I, I, well, that happens when I listen to Iron Maiden. I start, I start reading history. Iron Maiden is the Howard Zinn of music. Yeah. Iron freaking Maiden. You know who they are. Five Piece from East London. Exclusive members of the band song Album Club alongside Motorhead, Minor Threat, Bad Company, and Living in a Box. They fucking rule. One of my favorite things about them, we were just talking about it, they're obsessed with history. Founding member Steve Harris does most of his songwriting uh, and getting inspiration from historical books and movies. In this case, he was inspired by the Old West. Steve is a self-taught bass player and uses a technique that is frequently called the gallop. Steve, you know what I'm talking about. What's nuts is that he plays it with two fingers and not three. Oh, cause, yeah, because I can't play without three fingers. Yeah, if you know anything about playing a bass or any string instrument, you know that's fucking bonkers. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite early memories of, uh, of um, Headbangers Ball was they uh, did a two block. They did uh, Aces High, then Run to the Hills. It's very exciting, got me into Iron Maiden on the spot. It was at Rusty Crawford's house, 1986. Do you remember what you were wearing? Probably uh, shorts and a Bloom County t-shirt. Oh, so pretty much what you were wearing last weekend. Pace, um, Pacey's in the suppository. Yeah. <laughs> I got into Maiden when I was sort of like hanging around thinking of I was a part of figuring out if they could develop into a movie the Jack Black video game Brutal Legend mm -hmm. by Double Fine Video Games, and it's full of music like this. Uh, it's full of Motorhead songs, and this is a it's a sweet game. It's a hard, weird, unusual game to play. It's very original, but uh, 
it got me into Iron Maiden. Yeah. And Judas Priest. I started listening to all these yeah. bands that never yeah. heard them before, and I always just thought they were dumb, loud, and scary. And this is when I was like 30. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and man, they're just melodic and interesting and intricate. They're great, all great bands. And if anybody else is feeling the way I felt when I was 30, that these bands are just a, some, a bunch of loud uh, troublemakers. They actually make beautiful music. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's time to grow the fuck up a little bit. Yeah. Let's go to an Iron Maiden concert. A number two? Oh, I'm really excited about this one. Holy shit, this is a good goddamn song. This is Thin Lizzy. It inspired a genre. Cowboy song. I was first introduced to Thin Lizzy uh, via the music video for Paradise City. Axl Rose is wearing a shirt with the band's name on it, and also a white leather suit. It goes back and forth. I was more drawn to the, uh, at the time, I was more drawn to the Thin Lizzy show. But have you ever heard White Leather Suit? They have a song called Cowboys in Pit, Gay Paris. Mm-hmm. That is kind of a little more rocking than this one. Yeah, I think it's Gay Pierre. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought Axel was wearing a cool shirt. I started listening to 107.7 WRKR, The Rocker, Kalamazoo's Rock Station. Oh, man, they must have been so excited when they reserved those call letters. Yeah, well, either that or it was just already there. Yeah, I think RKR was already there in the 50s and 60s, and they just got lucky. Uh, like that Palestinian Liberation Organization radio station that inherited the WPLO. Um, they played Thin Lizzy fairly often, but it was always Jailbreak and the boys are back in town. I love both the songs, and I went out and got the album Live and Dangerous. So when I discovered Rosalie, the JD played on his Bob Seger episode, The Rocker, Suicide Warrior, several other great songs, but it was track number nine that was seared into my brain. I later learned this was the first song on the second LP, C1, I think they call it. Oh, Hunter's into it. He's singing along over there. It started with this mysterious forlorn music played gently in the background over a solo, smooth voice. Then that bass riff kicks in, and then those sweet, sweet guitar harmonies that Thin Lizzy is so famous for. This song kicks so much ass. I've texted friends before, hey, let's go to the bar and talk about Thin Lizzy. And we did, and those were fun times. There's so many things I love in this song. I'm just looking for a certain female, not a girl, a female. He uses that again in Jailbreak. Hey, good-looking female. It's a trend. I was took in Texas. I did not know her name. Those southern girls all seem the same. The song is just about a lonesome cowboy that finds happiness in Mexico, busting Broncos for the rodeo. It's great. Oh, man, we've talked about Thin Lizzy before, so I'll just gloss over it. Irish. Wait, before you get, get it, before you gloss over it, and then I'll mm-hmm. get, get through this. Uh, Irish, born in 1969, finally broke through in the U.S. in 1976. Phil Linnett died in early 86 from pneumonia and heart failure brought on by septicemia due to his heroin addiction. Oh, man. I was going to comment on the great Thin Lizzy lyrics that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. I uh, follow a Twitter called The Boys Are Back. Oh, it's great. It's the best thing on Twitter. I don't know what the at is. Is it at Boys Are Back? I don't know. I don't know. But all it does is a couple times a day tweets a lyric from The Boys Are Back in Town, and it makes me so happy. Yeah. Like, sometimes you'll get... uh, 
hanging down at Dino's. Sometimes you'll get intro. Sometimes you'll get guitar solo. Uh-huh. But yeah. my favorite thing is when it's just a, a like a maelstrom of like political venom mm-hmm. just on Twitter, and then you go to bed and you wake up and see what you missed, and there's a block of like four in a row <laughs> of just yeah. Thin Lizzy lyrics. Yeah, oh, it's fucking fantastic. Um, what a lot of people don't know about Linnet is in his late 70s, he got really into punk. He played in a band called The Greedies with a couple of uh, a couple of the other Lizzies and a couple of the Sex Pistols. And get this, Bob Geldof, you know, from the Boomtown Rats. Oh, yeah. I had that song, I Don't Like Mondays. Yep. Check out their Christmas jingle called A Merry Jingle. It's a necessity for any Christmas compilation. And he also played bass on Johnny Thunder's first album, which I believe was called So Alone. All right. Do you, did you know that this was originally called Derby Blues? I did not know that's what it was called, but I heard the original version of it on a demo. Yeah, it was a live version. Yeah. They called the Derby Blues and then changed mm. it. Yeah. It sounds pretty much the exact same song. Yeah, there was a, the lyrics are a little different. There's a lot more of them. And the chorus. I am just a derby sitting on a head. Blues. The chorus is not as tight yeah. as it is on this. Uh, yep. No. Have you ever listened to his solo stuff? You I mentioned did. that he get, got into punk. Yeah, his solo I stuff is I feel not like punk. Sent it to me. Oh. It's weird. I think we he's got some a, good music videos video of it. Yeah, where he's walking around on by the yeah, is he wearing, like, long walks on the purple suit or something. He's, he wears a lot of nice stuff. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Anything Feels else like Cowboy guy. Song? I'm really I'm excited to yeah. do the show. Over. Okay. Yeah, what could possibly be better than Cowboy Song? Number one. I know what you're thinking. What could be better than Cowboy Song? Nothing. Nothing is better than Cowboy Song. Here it is, number one. This is Cowboy Song by Thin Lizzy. It's a perfect song. It takes you on a journey. Why the hell was this Irish man singing about the life of a cowboy lonely on the plane? Who knows? Who cares? This song is perfection. This is one of the many things that made me think that these guys were from the U.S., <laughs> I realized listening to it that I, I guess kind of threw out Milwaukee, but yeah. I would have pegged him for somewhere in Jersey. Yeah, you had said Jersey at one point. I remember when I told you they were Irish. We were sitting, I think, at the Roost. No, it was uh, the Cat and the, the Fiddle. No, it was the um, what's the the Bigfoot? Bigfoot. And we were going to see British Night. Yes, that's right with DJ Lee. Yeah, and uh, and you and we were you talking said, about if said, Ireland was part of Britain. No, 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 no. You said play some Thin Lizzy. Well, we got to that part. Yeah. You said play some Thin Lizzy, and he was like, "Well, I don't know." And I'm like, "Yeah, why would he?" And he was like, "Well, you know, Ireland's not really part of, not yeah. really British." And I'm like, "Yeah, I, wait, <laughs> wait, where are they from?" That's where I found out. Phil, Phil Linnett, he's the only African-Irish. He's like the only one, right? They call it Black Irish. No, they, no, that's no, that's a different kind do. of Irish. What, really? I think they do. I thought it was like a certain no, kind of... No, the, so the, <laughs> the traditional Irish are, te- uh, are from like Spain. And yeah. so they have dark, they're dark, dark hair, dark eyes. Okay, yeah, dark that's hair. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, black. Yeah, but then like the the ginger Viking yeah, the, shit got the, mixed with the Tony Zaret looking Irish. Yeah, and which is a lot more Scottish really than anything. Mm. And then that that kind of swept into that that area. I think again, 
dumb history. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but but I know uh, but I know that the Celt Celtic people were part of Spain also part of they're part of the what is that the Iberian Peninsula? Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's the dark. Yeah. That's yeah. The dark I, that's Irish. Black Irish. I I should I should I mean, I'm Irish. I'm itching to let this cat out of the bag. When we finish this podcast, you know, we we're stopping this podcast because it's too much work, and when we're all done with our hundred episodes, our next podcast is going to be. Uh, half ass hit, just sitting around talking history. Um, so we can just sit around and like go, uh, oh, isn't that like why then, the Chinese yeah. came to America? Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and Steve's gonna look it up and say, no, it was called being Shanghai. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, that'll be the podcast. So yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah, that was the history of Portland right there. Mm -hmm. Yep, and San Francisco. Yep. This song wasn't hugely popular when it first came out because the first two singles from the album Jailbreak were the first singles that finally made Thin Lizzy break through in the U.S. Of course, Jailbreak and Boys Are Back in Town. Uh, American listeners didn't need uh, any foreign songs about cowboys. They had plenty of the homegrown ones. This song was looked over for decades, but as we know, there's a lot of stupid people out there, especially when it comes to good music. Just look at Jimmy Buffett. His fans are so fucking stupid... I'm surprised they can dress themselves. Tan. I worked at a photo lab in college, and we got uh, a disposable camera in that was labeled Buffet. This idiot girl that I work with there was super excited that we might be able to develop some disposable camera photos of Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I explained the difference in spelling between Buffett and Buffet, and she said it was probably just I said it was probably just photos of the food from the cruise that they had just returned from. And she wanted to know who would take photos of a buffet. And I told her people that weren't dumb enough to go see Jimmy Buffett. Dave, is, is that I think I think she died when a vending machine fell on her. Dave, is that when you got your portfolio? Yes. Same photo lab. You should tell people what your portfolio is. Have I told you about my portfolio? Maybe. Uh, you know, like when you get your uh, your pictures and it's a, a folded cardboard thing that has eight eight yeah. holes in it for eight photos, like a big one, and then like maybe you throw in a baseball on yeah, the, on like one a couple of wallets, <laughs> five by seven. Yeah. Um, this uh, this roll of film came in, and some guy had a picture of his erection, <laughs> and he had in calligraphy tattooed on it a girl's name. Uh -huh. Actually, it was Michelle, uh -huh. written on it, very fancy but faint. Uh huh. And I yeah, just been there for a while. Yeah, bad tattoo. Uh, yeah, it looks like it had a lot of, a lot of friction on it. Um, but I took that, I took that photo and just duplicated it eight times. <laughs> and every mini frame in that file was of the same hard on. And people would come over, and I was into photography. I had like black and white frame photos that I took in my house. But I'd always ask people if they'd like to see my portfolio. <laughs> Oh, yeah, sure. And I'd hand them that, and they'd open it and be like, oh. Oh, and yeah. then, like, the more you look at it, the more you see. And I fell for that at least oh, yeah. eight times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hashtag me too. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, uh, people started to pay attention to the uh, this jam. It's been said the song uh, turns the commonplace into legend and brings myth into the modern world. Oh, it's been said that, huh? Yep. That's pretty poetic. Yep. I personally believe, along with others, uh, this is the catchiest, most memorable twin guitar harmony lead of all time, and it's effortlessly seductive and subversively rocking. This may very well be my favorite song. 
And for those of you that think I may have just used our podcasting platform to play a bunch of songs that I like, well, fuck you. You go make your own podcast. Yeah, that's what we do. We play songs we like. We don't make genres of songs we hate unless we think they're hilarious. No, I just didn't want to be accused. No. I guess we always accuse you of that. It's because you make... It's not really an accusation. We just <laughs> we just we call it out. out. Yeah, yeah, characterization. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, really. Yeah, this one you actually made a good genre that makes sense that you could, so you can play your songs. Now. Other genre, you make genres and then you uh, you can't think of any songs for it, so you just put a song you like in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, Ursula finally has tits. I remember was uh, pretty egregious. Yeah. Anybody wanted to make the list? Anybody have any uh, ideas? I uh, I put either Serge Gainsbourg and Bridget Bardot's Bonnie and Clyde. No, there's way or, too much Serge Gainsbourg on this podcast. Or the French rap song that samples it, Nouveau Western by MC Solar. That's a good one. I tell you to try to look for mine, but I would rather just listen to this. Uh, Udo Lindenberg's Cowboy Rocker. Uh, he's a German Rock star. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hoping for more. Udo? <laughs> yeah. German? Well, his last name's Lindenberg. He, huh. he could have been Swedish. Yeah. Um, I was hoping for more non English speaking songs for European cowboys, but. Or what the Academy Awards would deem foreign. Because the there it is. Mm-hmm. Isn't that European cowboy? Uh, because, uh, anyways, as we know, as movies, as the Oscars have talked. Speaking of Oscars. <laughs> As they've taught us that the British em- Empire isn't foreign to us colonists. Mm-hmm. They can win a best picture. Um, you know, one song that might be missing from this countdown, I probably should have put on Southbound by Thin Lizzy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, baby, steig auf. <laughs> hey, baby. I'm the cowboy rocker. Get that in my horse. I will ride you into the sunset. Uh, hey. What? Next episode's a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame episode. So everybody who's confused about who to vote for, listen to that. You tell them, JD. Bumpers a day are all reruns by Ocean City Defender. At OC Defender. Love that guy. Hey, you like like Colin Oates? Check out Colin Votes. 5404 votes is the number to call. Better spell votes. V O A T E S. Normally you call Call and Oats. You get a call, you get a Hall and Oats song, and that's it. You get a choice for one. Uh, one of, of four yeah. you can choose from, I believe. For She's Gone Press One for mm-hmm. Sarah Smile Press Two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that number in numbers is 540 486 2837. 540. 540- Four eight six two eight three seven. You call up and it's it's Oates himself telling you to vote and and he says hit a, hit a number or something and we'll text you and you can find your polling places and it's a fun different way to do it or you just go to vote.org and that's easy too. Yeah, and for those of you at home, JD is actually reading this off of copy, word mm-hmm. for word. It's amazing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, more credits. <laughs> All these words are written down yeah. in front of them. Uh, Go to yarrock.com. 
Send questions. Talk Don't to us pronounce on- guttural noise. Just make the noise. Sorry. Talk to us. Uh, comments. Tell us about how much you like this episode. <laughs> uh, Twitter at Yacht Rock. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Follow Beyond Yacht Rock on Instagram. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Themes by Rob Crow, Mark Rivers. Thanks to Matt Rousseau. What a producer. Oh, yeah, good guy. I haven't seen him in a long time. We've been recording hey, uh, in my house. Before we uh, fade out, you want to throw on Cowboy Song? Oh, oh man, yeah. Uh, Wait, I think he says on? he's a cowboy rocker here in a second. Yeah. Maybe not important. We can't get... It's not important. Go back to... We're, we're out of bandwidth. Podcast yeah. over. Sorry, Dave. Out of tape. <laughs> <laughs>